Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you today. There's this show on Netflix. You guys know what Netflix is, right? Everybody seen that? Okay. Um, called Tidying Up by uh, Marie Kondo. Has anybody seen this show yet? Super funny um, to watch couples try to figure it out. It's uh, really popular in America, probably because we have a bunch of junk that we just need to get rid of. And Netflix comes out with this show. This lady named Marie Kondo is this like adorable little Japanese woman that... Um, comes into people's homes and gives them a system by which they can go through their belongings and decide what they're going to keep and what they're not going to keep and then organize their lives around that reduce the amount of stuff they have and this you know each episode ends with some sort of like you know warm embrace about how great their life is now that they've reduced the clutter what's interesting about that is what's really taken off in America is the method by which Marie tells you to decide if you should keep something or not so what she does if you're dealing with your clothes or maybe your uh, things in your garage or your books your DVDs whatever you might have is she takes all of those items every every article of clothing you have and you lay it out in front of you and you grab each piece and you ask does this piece of clothing spark joy in me and if it does you keep it and if it doesn't you throw it away she didn't really have an answer for the pieces of clothing that spark joy in me but provide rage for my wife because I got a few of those t-shirts where I'm like man this one really brings me joy and she hates it but I want to keep it but Marie doesn't deal with that she's not a marriage counselor and um but but the point is you grab something you say does it make me happy does it bring me joy and if it does you should keep it but you probably have a lot of things that don't really matter to you you don't wear you don't care about and those you should get rid of what's great about the show is it's funny to watch you know, the family members, typically the husband and the wife, disagree about what items to keep. Well, there's two things I want you to think about as we work our way into the doctrine we're going to talk about today in our pursuit of you and I becoming one in Jesus Christ. The first thing is this, um, in light of Marie Kondo, that we don't uh, mediate our differences in the church when it comes to doctrine just between two family members like you and I see things differently so you and I just need to figure it out we mediate with the authority of Jesus Christ which produces unity so I'm wrong you're wrong we come under the lordship of Jesus Christ to understand where that comes from the second thing is this I'm afraid sometimes we treat doctrine like Marie Kondo tells us to treat our things where we grab it And we ask, does this doctrine bring me joy? And if it doesn't, we get rid of it. If it does, we keep it. The problem with that is we were designed by God to wrestle with doctrine until it brings us joy. Because there's things about me, there's realities about me that when I receive a doctrine of God, like maybe his sovereignty or something like that, and I don't quite understand it, and it doesn't yet bring me joy, that I haven't wrestled with it long enough so that it can bring me joy. We need to be very careful about that. I think there are some people in here as we begin to talk about the doctrine of baptism today. When you grab the doctrine of baptism, it probably brings you joy. 
Maybe you understand it. Uh, perhaps you're a person who has been baptized. You remember the day that you were baptized, and when you think about baptism, it brings you great joy. And there might be some people in here that when you grab the doctrine of baptism, it doesn't really spark joy for you. It could be that you grew up in a different uh, church environment than the churches of Christ, where maybe baptism was not taught as heavily. Maybe it's an uh, issue that you just don't understand what baptism is for, or maybe it doesn't spark joy because you do understand it, but maybe haven't done it yet. Maybe you've forgotten about it. Or maybe you do, or a person who has been baptized, but you've forgotten about why it was valuable to you. Today, what I want us to do is walk into the doctrine of baptism, try to understand what it is and why God gave it to us. To do that, we're going to go to Romans chapter 6. So turn your Bibles over. It's going to be on the screen here in just a moment, but you, I'd like you to have your Bible open, Romans 6. Matt was referencing this in what he was talking about at the communion table, and his point was, that baptism has a great connection to Jesus Christ. And as we communed about Jesus, we have a unity with him, and it's found here in Romans chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 3. The Bible says this, God's Word. Do you not know that all of us who, were who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, now he's reminding Christians who have already done this, what baptism is. He says, don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been freed from sin. Three things we're going to learn about baptism. One, baptism is a portrait of salvation. Now if you're reading along in these verses here, you noticed there's a lot of imagery being used. A lot of imagery, a lot of uh, storylines being told. Paul weaves together this beautiful imagery into the act of baptism. He's giving us these full pictures that represent these big eternal truths. The salvation, what he's trying to say here is the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ was won by his death his burial, and his resurrection. That's the story of our salvation. When you go to the Gospels, at the end of each of those Gospels, you see a story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and being tried and found guilty, being beaten and then hanging upon a cross and dying. We see the story of him being taken off the cross and buried and then on that Sunday morning, three days later, raised back to life to spend time with his followers and then ascending to the Father in heaven. That story is where our salvation is found. The blood of Jesus Christ, the burial of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the message of our victory over sin and over death. And you see, Paul says baptism is when we are together in his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. It's telling us the imagery of Jesus and what he did for us. 
In that death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus was the conqueror over sin that held us captive. He was the victor over death that sealed our fate. And when a person is baptized, the very movement of their body reenacts the picture of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Baptism puts Jesus' saving work on display. But baptism is much more than just a fancy reenactment of what Jesus did. It also puts on display, it tells us a message, it uses vivid imagery to show us the elements of our salvation. You notice the language that's used in Romans 6, 3 and 4 especially, it says that baptism involves a death. It involves a burial, it involves a resurrection, it involves a uniting together with. Three of the most important days in a human's life, when they're born, when they die, when they get married, he says you've got to look to those events to see what's transpiring in baptism. Baptism is a powerful, powerful display of the story of salvation, but it's much more than just this reenactment. Real things happen in baptism that you and I need to be aware of. So secondly, baptism is the pivot point of your life. The moment when things change. Now you may not be aware of all the changes that take place. You may not be aware of all the realities of the cosmos that shift when you become a Christian. You're baptized into Jesus Christ. But it is the moment when things change. Now the Bible is clear. Romans 1 all the way up to the end of chapter 5 tell you this one message and the Bible tells you this message over and over. Jesus Christ is your only hope for salvation. He's we would learn that it's no other name in which we can be saved. There's no other foundation on which we can build. Jesus is the only one who can rid us of our guilt for the sins that we've committed, the shame that we understand from that. He's the only one who can give us forgiveness, give us a new life, a new power for real transformation to happen. All of this only comes through Jesus Christ. And every single human being that lives in this world, whether they're religious or not, is on a path of dealing with guilt and shame. It's trying to figure out how to solve getting a right mind and a right spirit to live right. It's trying to figure out how to have confidence for legacy and eternity. Everybody's trying to jostle to figure this out. And the deal is you must decide who you trust to ensure that you'll have grace for your guilt, peace for your shame and power to overcome the present sin in your life. You have to decide who you're going to trust to ensure those things happen. And baptism is about you placing your trust, your bet, on Jesus Christ and not yourself. That's what baptism is about. It's saying, I know I'm guilty. I know I've got shame. I know that I want to seal a legacy for eternity to be with God. And in baptism, you're saying, I place my bet. All my chips are on Jesus, not on me. That's what baptism is for. In baptism, we transfer our trust to Jesus Christ alone, to him alone. Now, notice the number of times in this passage the word with is used. It says that we're buried with him, that we're united with him, that we're crucified with him, that we died with him, and that we will live with him. Jesus is our only hope, and baptism is you saying, I transfer all of my trust to Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He says that we have died with him, 
That means that our old ways, the old person, this sinful person that's separated from God, when it goes into the water, is dead. It has died, no longer alive. Dead to sin, dead to old habits, dead to old choices, dead to old ways. When you are baptized into Jesus Christ, the old person is dead, no longer alive. Then he says that we are buried with him. This is where we're reenacting the story of Jesus. Now what's interesting about burial is this is the place where your old life stays. You go into the water, and you come back up, and we're going to see in a moment that we're raised to walk in a new life, but in that water is where that old life stays. One of the best places to see this drawn out in a story form is when you look at the story of Israel escaping Egypt. Remember, God's people were down in Egypt, and they were slaves, and they were crying out to God for salvation, and God sent Moses in and he led them out after a series of plagues and they come to the banks of the Red Sea, right? And the Egyptians have changed their minds. They want to have the Israelites back. They're tired, they're upset that they let them go. And the army of the Egyptians are chasing the Israelites. And there they are on the bank of the Red Sea. Their life is on the line. The world power is chasing after them. And they're crying out to God, what are we going to do? And Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of God. And all night he's holding his staff up. And the wind blows. And the Red Sea parts. And then in the morning, Israel walks through that. Later in the New Testament, it says they were baptized into Moses. It's the imagery of baptism. They walk through the Red Sea. And they go to the other side. But you know what? Egypt followed them into the Red Sea. Remember that story? They look at this. Here's the nation crossing through. And Egypt, their enemy comes into the Red Sea to get them. But guess who doesn't come out? The waters crash. Egypt dies. And Israel's on the other side. I think somebody in here, whether you're a Christian or not, maybe you've been baptized before, need to remember that story. That what went into the water didn't come out of the water. Now for the rest of Israel's journey for the next 38 and a half years, Egypt kept popping up in their life, right? But Egypt itself was never there. Egypt was only where? Here. Egypt tormented them. Remember how good our food was there? Remember how better life was back there? Egypt tormented them. But Egypt only had life in Israel when Israel gave it life, when they thought about it. And some of you need to remember that when you went into the water of baptism, that identity, that sinful person of you that went into the water that you hate, that you despise, that you're embarrassed about, that you have shame over, stayed in that water, and it only has life when you give it life. So if you've gone into the water and you've come back up, stop breathing life into your Egypt. You understand? It only has life because you give it life. He says we're raised with him to walk in a new life. In baptism is where your sins are washed the Bible says, away, made clean. Don't you love that picture? That it's not just some ceremonial act or some religious rite, but in baptism, he says, the soul that has sin upon it is washed to be clean, fresh, and new. Church, baptism is not what you do to save yourself. Baptism is what you do when you know that you cannot save yourself. And you come into life with Jesus Christ. Baptism is a portrait of how we're saved. It is the pivot point of our life when things change. Baptism is the person that you unite yourself with. 
to really understand the power of baptism, Paul is using language here when he says that you're united with Christ. He's trying to get you to remember the idea of marriage, the idea of a wedding day. That's the imagery that he wants to invoke as he's telling this story about baptism being a uniting together with Jesus Christ. So to understand baptism and its power, we've got to look to the day of a wedding. That day has, on that day, everything changes for a person. They come into that relationship, they're married, and then everything is different. And the Bible has these beautiful sort of imagery about being united together with that is important for you to see. It really kind of conveys three big ideas I want to share with you. The first one is this. Being united with Christ, like in this idea of marriage, conveys, first of all, the idea of participation. Now, one of the fun things to do when you do weddings is before weddings happen, you get to sit down with the bride-to-be and the groom-to-be, and you get to ask them. You do what's called premarital counseling. You talk to them about marriage and how to get ready for it. And I love to ask them, you know, what they're looking forward to in marriage. And you always know what the guy says, but the girl has some other ideas. And good job, you're paying attention. But you know, eventually what happens is they say things like, I can't wait to be married so that we don't have to, like, go home separately. I can't wait to be married so we can go on vacation together. I can't wait to be married because on a random Tuesday we can eat dinner and not have to worry about where we're going to go and what we're going to do. We're just going to chill at home together. What they're saying is that I can't wait to be together with this person all the time. I don't spoil it for them then, you know, I just let them think that. But they say like what they're saying in marriage is like I want a greater participation with this person not less in baptism you're saying i want greater togetherness participation with jesus can you imagine going to a wedding and the bride and the groom come up and they say their vows they say i do they kiss each other and they walk out and they go to separate homes and they're done that'd be weird wouldn't it you would never think of that and baptism is your marriage to jesus christ and can you imagine saying i do to him and never talking to him again You see, so often we see baptism not really about wanting more of Jesus, just kind of like a tax exemption out of hell. If I marry him, I get connected out of hell, but really baptism is saying I want more of him and who he is. I want to be together with him. Baptism is about participation in life with Jesus Christ. Baptism is about identification. When Lisa this year had to go through this whole big ordeal because she had to get the new driver's license to be able to fly eventually or something like that. And um, to do that, typically she's just been able to renew her license, but because her name has changed, um, she had to get, I don't know, social security card, birth certificate, proof of where she lived, all these different things to prove to them who she was. Because in marriage, we went down to the court before we got married, got our marriage license, and they asked, are you going to change your name? She said, yes. After we were married, she changed her name. She sent in the forms, and she got new identification. Because in our marriage, she wanted to be identified. We became identified as one. We're going to share a name. That's exactly what baptism is for. No longer two separate people. We're now becoming one with Jesus Christ. We were lost, and now we're found. We were dead, now we're alive. Sinner, now we're saint. You and I are no longer the old person that was separated from God, We are now new in Jesus Christ as his son or daughter of the king and sibling of Jesus Christ. We identify with him. Being united is also about declaration, about declaring something, telling the world something. You see, at the cross, God screams 
I love you. And at baptism, you say it back to him. That's what it's about. It's about declaring to God that you are his through Jesus Christ. Baptism points to the one that you love. Just like a wedding ring, when I wear it, it's not the actual marriage, but it reminds me, it tells me that's the one that I'm married to. Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 32, he says, if you confess me or declare me before men, I will declare you before my Father who is in heaven. He says, can you imagine being embarrassed of your spouse? When we come into Jesus Christ, and he wants us to participate in life with him, be identified with him, and be willing to declare to the world that we are his and he is Mars. All right, this is my favorite part of the job. I get to set the table, but you have to decide if you're going to eat. There's three ways. Woo, that was good. There's three ways I want to invite the audience today. Typically, we do a, you know, a traditional invitation. There's three ways I want to do this this morning, okay? Three different ways. One, to the people who are in here who do love Jesus, who have been baptized into Jesus Christ, who are now one with him, I want you to remember why you love him. I want you to consider how you declare that. Maybe you've even been struggling with some sin. Can I remind you of the story of Peter? When he denied Jesus three times, he knew what his sin was. Jesus shows up on the shore. Peter jumps in the water, comes, and has breakfast with Jesus. And three times Jesus has Peter do what? Confess his sin or declare his love? Declare his love. Some of y'all need to get right with Jesus by reminding yourself why you love him, remembering it. Number two, some of you may be in here because, well, you're here, and maybe you don't currently love Jesus. And that's okay. It's not a forced thing. It's not an arranged marriage. Maybe you don't get it. Maybe you don't understand. That's okay. I would encourage you to take your time. Ask questions, both to the believers and to Jesus himself. Challenge the things that you don't understand and that don't yet make sense and at least be willing to look at them. The third group. Those of you who are in here who do love Jesus, you know you do, but you haven't committed to him yet. For whatever reason, it's simple. Today's the day. It's time. Baptism is not about anyone else but you. No family member, no friend, past, present, or future. Baptism is about you saying, I know who Jesus is. I trust him and not myself. I need to be washed of my sins, and I want to raise to walk in a new life with Jesus Christ. And if you love him and haven't done that yet, let us help you. Let's stand and sing this song. Won't you come?